This is a recording of the Westminster Police Step Up webinar held at 11 o'clock on Thursday the 3rd of September 2020. It is an edited version of the webinar. I've deleted out some of the pauses and technical errors and please be aware that when Jill Christie is speaking in the webinar we could see a PowerPoint presentation on our screen. Good afternoon everybody and welcome to our Step Up webinar. This is the second webinar for me in the network um, and our very first podcast. I am Inspector Liz Warner, currently a patrol inspector at Worcester Police Station, but I'm here today as the Women's Network or WOW chair, though this webinar and podcast is not at all just for women, it's for everyone in the organisation. West Mercia launched the STEP programme last week. Um, STEP is a programme which does three things. It encourages people to join the police, step in. Seek promotion, step up, and encourage people to move to specialist roles, step across. The programme was initially created by WOW, but it's now been taken on by all the networks and the organisation has adopted it as part of its people strategy. It's really important for me to emphasise that promotion is not the be-all and end-all of our work and it's not the only achievement we should really be talking about in the police. I personally think that a career PC on patrol or a DS with specialist knowledge in a specific area should be celebrated just as much. However, today's webinar is on promotion. Welcome all my, uh, to all my panel members, all my volunteers. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we've got seven panel members today with differing jobs and ranks. We've got Chief Inspector Jess Loxley-Clark, Superintendent Becky Love, Chief Inspector Helen Wayne, Inspector Tracy Ryan, HR Jill Christie, and DS Daniel Logan. Each panel member is going to have a chance to speak a little bit about themselves, about their experience. And I think today we're really concentrating on um, confidence and putting yourself out there before we talk a little bit more specifically about the technical um, areas in the promotion process, the four-step process. Before handing over to our first speaker, I spoke to DCC Julian Moss yesterday. He's our Chief Officer Lead on the Women's Network. Both him and um, ACC Rachel Jones were really keen to open up today, but I asked them far too last minute, given their calendars, that they really do support today's event and encourage you all to kind of join. So actually, West Mercy, I'm really pleased to say we've got a reason to celebrate this year. Um, we are, as are every police force, members of He For She. And He For She is where um, the idea is, and it's a, a global idea, not just for policing, but um, for all kind of organisations, um, where men in positions of power use their power and their knowledge um, and their contacts, etc., to kind of even out the gender imbalance in the organisation. So our he for she lead is now Julian Moss. Um, he's recently recruit, recruited quite a few he for she um, representatives, uh, men around the force. And the idea is that the WOW will work really closely with He For She, um, which we've started to do already. But the reason why we can celebrate is because He For She did their first report um, last year about each force. And I went down and spoke uh, nationally about West Mercy and what we were doing. And they've just, um, they're about to publish our uh, report for this year. And um, we are third in the country for closing our gender gap for Chief Inspector and above, which is a real big win for us. In March 2019, there was a 7% difference in gender from Chief Inspector above, and this year it was only 
0.3%. So that is an improvement of around 5%. So essentially, March last year, 31% of our police officers were female. Um, sorry, March this year, 31% of our police officers are female and 29% are chief inspector and above. So one of these, who would have tipped the balance slightly, is Jess. Uh, Jess is a chief inspector for South Worcestershire. Uh, her previous roles mainly involve force operations. She's a mum to a young son who I think started school today. Uh, and her husband is also a PC in the organisation. Jess also spent some time during the COVID period as an acting superintendent. Um, and she's only 41 years old. And Jess has said I can say that. Um, Jess is also the lead for the South Worcestershire WOW working group. I always wanted to join the police from a really, really young age. Um, I had managerial roles before I joined. I had the opportunity to work in New York in a five-star hotel, be a manager there. I worked in Costa Coffee at Strengthsome Services as a manager. Um, wasn't particularly academic at school, very hands-on, um, but I knew from day one that I wanted to get promoted. I don't really know why, I just thought that was going to be my, my path. Um, so I joined. Um, a decision for me was when I wanted to do it. Um, I knew I wanted to have um, child, children, um, so I made the decision to put off promotion until I'd had a child. Um, rightly or wrongly, um, I was lucky enough um, to get promoted to inspector before that happened. Um, but all I would say, looking back on it now, it's probably a silly decision. But the support that I had throughout my pregnancy and the promotion now, um, it wouldn't put me off. So I would say, if you want to go for promotion, you're thinking about having children or a family, just go for it because the support's there. Um, so I managed to get to chief inspector. Um, as a female, I've probably put significant extra pressure on myself, put some barriers in the way that are totally ridiculous barriers that I've never had to face. Um, it's just my own personal barriers. For instance, you know, where I was going to be posted, how flexible people were going to be, but the support I've had from my line management being a sergeant, inspector and chief inspector has been fantastic and I've managed to have that flexibility. I've also put extra pressure on myself is as you go through the ranks, you have to take on extra responsibility. Um, so I've become a firearms commander, which is a typically male dominated um, arena, but we've got lots of females coming into that now, which is great. And I also went through the public order structure and command structure, which again, I probably put significant extra pressure on myself, totally unfounded because I was a female, but I've managed to hopefully succeed in those areas and, and continue to do that. Um, life as a working mum through promotion, it's tough, um, I'll be honest, I'm sure Becky and um, Helen will, will agree, it's like a military operation, um, my husband's in the job as well and he probably wouldn't like me to say it, his job are really flexible but he doesn't say that to me, um, so it is like a military operation, um, it can be done, um, the key really for me is you need a paper diary and you need strawberry laces to feed your little one whilst you're on a, a conference call at home. Um, so my message would be that um, that's, I wanted to get promoted. I've done it. Um, I've had a family. It's a juggling thing. I really enjoy it. I've had fantastic support throughout my pregnancy. Becky was my line manager when I fell pregnant and she was fantastic. Um, she was adamant she was never going to have children and now she's got a lovely uh, twin girls. Um, and you will always have that mum guilt. So 
um, that will never go away. But the force does really support you going through it. Lovely. Thank, thanks, Jess. I think um, your story is a positive one. We need to be honest that not everybody's story is that positive, but certainly the organisation is getting so much better. And, and I can completely agree that it's very much down to your line manager, I think. Um, and particularly, you know, my story, if someone says to you, gives you that nugget of inspiration or that nugget of confidence, why don't you go for it? Um, you should do it. And then you think, oh, someone believes in me, I can do it. And I think you're a really good example of someone that, there's that whole kind of thing, isn't it? You can have it all. You can't have it all. It's exhausting. But we can give everything a go. Um, and, and you've managed to get to the rank that you're at, at a young age. Relatively so young. Um, I'd just like to say, you know, a lot for me is that um, I think some people are scared of asking their line managers. My view is, if you don't ask, you don't get. And we can always come to some conclusion or, you know, um, if they're asking for the, for the world that's ridiculous, then we have to come to some, you know, agreement. But I don't want people sitting there um, on my teams that they don't want to ask for work-life balance. They don't want to ask this because they feel as though they're putting people out. If you ask for it, we can always discuss it. So that would be my message to people that we're here to support and we'll come to some mutual agreement. Thank you very much. Becky Love is a superintendent for professional standards department. Um, she is a mother of two young children and you were on the fast track system, weren't you? It was what, it's the HPDS then, the High Potential yeah. Development Scheme, but yes, it's a similar thing. And you have also made it to the dizzy heights of superintendent at an even younger age, haven't you? Um, and, and Becky, your superintendent love, is also, as I mentioned before, she heads up the talent management team for the while, so is working with us as part of the Step Up um, uh, programme. So, um, Becky, what would you like to tell us about promotion? Um, well, I was asked to, to talk about self-confidence and putting yourself forward in terms of promotion. And um, I was in a meeting yesterday where we were talking about the Step In programme, um, which, Liz, I believe you've uh, provided some uh, statistics for. And I just thought it was worth mentioning those today. So Hewlett-Packard have identified that men apply for a job and they meet only 60% of the qualifications, but women apply only if they meet 100%. Um, and equally, Forbes identified that men are confident about their ability at 60%, but women don't feel confident until they've checked each of the criteria off the list. Um, and these stats really struck home with me because I remember early on in my career, um, I was speaking with a female chief superintendent uh, who I admired greatly for both her ability to lead, but also her ability to um, maintain that air of normality when she was speaking with the officers on a division, as it was called then, not LPAs. Um, and back in you know, 2003, she, she mentioned the same sort of thing to me, to say females will only apply for a job if they look at a job application and they can tick every behavioural trait uh, and, and every desirability. However, um, men are more likely to look at it and with 50% think, oh, I'll put my application in and have a go. So it was really interesting for me to hear that those statistics, you know, 17 years on, are still, are still being mentioned, although obviously we're doing a lot to overcome it. So I wanted really to talk today, uh, following on from the, obviously the powerful personal experiences and the information put forward by Jill, 
about what it was like and you know where did I gain my self-confidence if you like to move from and by no means does that you know I don't want that to sound like an overly confident person um, because you know I've spoken to many people about imposter syndrome and also about um, having that that inner chimp that you have to overcome when you go through processes um, but I think it's really important to identify that all the stories that we hear and certainly when you do your environmental scanning and your scoping you understand that no two stories are the same and it's the diversity of individuals that makes up you know what is our organization what is a successful business so you know I talk about imposter syndrome and it is very real you know I sit here today um, and quite frequently I wake up and I think you know am I really a superintendent um, am I really the head of professional standards? And my husband will say that that's an oxymoron. Um, I go back at him and say he was the director of intelligence. So I think we got touche there. Um, but you know, the answer to both is yes, I am a superintendent. Yes, I am the head of professional standards. Um, yes, I'm a mum. I've got uh, two daughters who will be four in October. Um, and, and you know, we've already alluded to it. Managing that is a really difficult um, orchestration. Um, but you know it, it it can be used to your advantage and it makes you human um, in my re recent superintendent process I actually made the comment that at the end of my interview um, did I have anything else to say which obviously I had my pitch um, and I'm having to be careful here because one of the interviewees Mr. Wessel is in the room with me um, but um, I said you know if you excuse me um, I'm going home because it's my daughter's three-year birthday today and at this precise moment three years ago I was giving birth to them um, you know, so we have to be human and we have to appreciate that that's who we are. Um, so, you know, that, that self-confidence for me, I think it came home when um, I was given an opportunity to do some speaking nationally around uh, community policing, which I love, is my passion. And um, it was in one of those uh, presentations that somebody sort of put their hand up and said, well, it's fantastic. If we had 100 Beckys in our force, we would deliver what you're presenting. Um, and that was pivotal for me because I soon realized that actually it was about me. It wasn't about what I was talking about. It wasn't about how I was delivering it. It was about me and that's what made the difference. Um, and so identifying that was the hurdle to overcome and then put myself forward for the HPDS and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, so really, just to bring it back to that self-confidence, you know, um, we wear a uniform, we do a really important job. I'm really proud to do the job that I do. Um, I have got a, a fairly substantial amount of uh, career left ahead of me, um, thanks to the pensions realignment. And, uh, you know, I think uh, with uh, 19 years service, uh, 39 years of age, um, I, I don't know where I'll be in the next 21 years. Um, but it really is key to remember that we're all different. You know, we all go through life at different paces um, and it's what makes the world go round. And, you know, don't compare yourself to the next person. Just compare yourself to who you want to be. Um, and, and that's your, you know, you're in a battle, really. Fantastic. And what you said, actually, one thing I did write down is that you spoke about you and at that conference and that was what was accepted. And I think actually, and Jill will tell me if I'm wrong, but the board interviews they do now, that's exactly what they're looking for, aren't they? They, they do want to hear your examples, but actually they want to hear about you. They don't want to hear that you're a robot, that you're just spouting out something you've read on the internet. They want to hear about Liz and how you will work as a manager. Is that right, Jill? I think that the days of you know, pre-prepared examples of things are, are, are long gone now. It's really about... about 
what you can give and, and how every, you know, the fact that everyone is different and we need that, that diversity really in our management and leaders. So, yeah. yeah. When I had my board interview last year with um, Mr. Purcell and I was so completely nervous as you would be. And uh, we sat down and the first question was, what have you done to prepare? And I said, I've just been singing my heart out to Tina Turner in the car on the way here to try and make myself happy. And of course, we had a laugh. I'm really embarrassed because it was Tina Turner. And then we just kind of had a bit of a chat and it was Liz chatting with Mr. Purcell um, and, and it worked. So that would be my tip really about the boards. Um, we're going to go to Helen next, Helen Wayne. Helen was promoted to Chief Inspector a couple of years ago. She's now based in Shropshire. Prior to this, you were a Chief Inspector on the Policing Change Programme and Continuous Improvement, where we worked together, didn't we, on domestic abuse quite a lot and uh, took us through the last HMIC inspection. Helen is a member of the uh, women's, um, Women of West Mercia Shropshire Working Group. And uh, Helen is also going to speak about how you get the confidence for putting yourself forward and beating your inner demons. So Helen, you told me that despite your rank and your experience, and I've seen you speak in meetings, et cetera, that actually self-confidence and putting yourself forward is still something of a challenge for you. So what's the secret to ignoring those demons in your head? <laughs> it's a daily challenge, Liz. And, and I'll be honest, when you emailed me and said, will you talk about self-confidence and putting you forward? My first thought was, no way. I can't put myself forward and I haven't got the confidence to do that. Um, so, you know, it's, an, it's a daily a daily thing really and then I got a grip of myself and thought absolutely this is something that I feel really strongly that I need to speak about to other people because when I have you know just conversations with 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 colleagues and and, and staff and I say I've really struggled with my own self-confidence generally this response is really you don't seem that way to me um, so I think the first thing that I would say to everybody is if you if you doubt yourself if you have that imposter syndrome that that um, Becky spoke about generally others have no idea and people can't see it and a lot more of us feel like that than perhaps we'll realize um, and if there's one thing that i'd like to achieve is for everybody to be a little bit more open about how how they feel and whether they they lack confidence or or, or if they don't you know we can all learn from each other um, and, and thank you to becky for mentioning the hewlett packard thing that was something that i was going to sort of touch on in terms of of the difference between men and women and what they will and won't go for in terms of putting themselves forward um, for me prior to going to the chief inspectors process a couple of years ago I actually did some coaching for self-confidence um, there's no point in me trying to replicate that here because like Becky touched on that's a, it's a very individual thing for for each of us in terms of of why we might lack confidence and where our issues are but one of the things I was really encouraged to do um, during that process and that I try and do now sort of regularly is, is, is really think about your achievements, um, make a list of what you've done and the successes you've had. Uh, and one of the things that I really struggled to do in one of those coaching sessions was talk about something that I am proud of. I genuinely, I couldn't do it. I was tearing up. I was really struggling to say, I've done this, I've achieved it, and I'm proud of myself. And even talking about it now, I can feel, <laughs> feel myself going. Um, so... You know just have have do that regularly because if you if you struggle with your self-confidence and you don't give yourself those boosts regularly um it, it it will be more of a challenge for you to overcome um so and, and off the back of of being successful in the chief inspectors process a few years ago i thought right the time has come now to step up and do your bit to support others you know despite the challenges 
that I feel putting myself forward. I've done it. I've had those successes. I need to help others. Um, and I put myself forward and did a mentoring course. And in the two years since that course, I've had one approach for support with mentoring. Uh, and I think that's something that, that everybody should sort of think about in terms of having your own mentor. It's difficult to ask, but actually on the internet, there's a list of us. There's a, uh, and I think each of us have given areas where we particularly feel that we've got something to offer mentees. So I would encourage everybody to have a look at that, get yourself a mentor, just to have those chats about yourself, your strengths, where you see your career going with somebody who's completely dissociated from your own line management and sort of, you know, perhaps isn't talking about it in terms of what they see of you at work, but just more generally. Um, and the other thing that I was going to say, just looking through my notes, is, is um, think about, you know, if, if, if a member of your team or, or one of your colleagues came to you and, 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 and asked for advice and support around their self-confidence, um, or just in general promotion, you'd give them advice, you know, you might look through their... Um, perform or their application and, and look at examples they've written and think to yourself well actually you didn't just do this there was much more to what you did than you're giving yourself credit for um, it's easy to do it when you're looking at others it's more difficult to do it when you're looking at yourself so you know really scrutinize your own evidence or, or you know your own application form or whatever with with that try and put that external head on as if you were looking at it as if it was somebody else's and, and, and practice what you preach in that regard. You know, have that positivity that you have when you're speaking to your colleagues or your staff in terms of your own work as well. And don't be afraid to not succeed. You know, Becky's just talked about the HPDS programme. She and I went through that at the same time. She was successful, I wasn't. Um, and you can learn a hell of a lot from when you don't succeed, um, probably more so than you can from when you do. So don't be afraid to put yourself forward, um, you know, on the basis that you don't think you'll, you'll be successful because you can learn a significant amount from that and it can open other doors and other, other avenues um, for you. Um, that's a very, very quick ramble through my sort of journey with, with self-confidence. I haven't, you know, I'm not there. It's a daily, a, a, you know, daily battles, perhaps a little bit um, over the top, but, but, it's something that I deal with, you know, especially when thinking about promotion and putting yourself forward. So, if you know, if you have your own issues with self-confidence, you're not alone by any means. Thank you so much, Helen. That was really good. A couple of bits that I've noted then is the mentoring. Um, we we went to um, I, I'm really bad with this. It's either mentoring or coaching. Um, sessions at College of Policing last year and actually West Mercia made up a quarter of the attendees that went and it was a National College of Policing event um, and we are getting on the internet we're updating who our coaches and our mentors are because they are different things you need to ascertain which one you prefer so is this a, a long-term support you need about your own performance or is this something specific that you need to help with for that moment in time but please have a look on the internet for mentors and coaches we are updating the list and we do have a lot more the other thing um, to point out is actually what Helen said about not succeeding so I um, completed step one uh, a couple of years ago in applying to be an inspector um, just thought it was a form to fill in just a, a process and I was turned down told I couldn't take my exam and I did challenge that decision but actually as a result of that it gave me a 
it gave me a lot of energy. I was really angry to begin with, really frustrated and angry. And actually I thought I need to use that energy. And I did join the women's network and I did then go and do some national speaking and presenting. And that is where all my, my, I say all my confidence and still not there either, but where I've learned so much confidence from having that knocked down, I could have gone home and cried and said, sod it, I'm never going to get promoted. I'm going to leave the police, whatever. And I didn't, I used that energy and that upset and did something positive with it. So don't be afraid of failing. Now, Tracy, um, I've actually read what she was going to say today, what she's going to say today. Now, I think she might have to edit it a bit because other people have stolen her thunder. But it was so good what Tracy has written that actually this morning, Corporate Comms, I don't know if you know this, Tracy, have just published it as a blog because um, it's really, really powerful what, what Tracy's about to tell us. Um, so Tracy has been in the spec for several years now uh, and you've recently moved to Full Sops, haven't you? You're now in planning, having been in uh, Shropshire, were you? Telford, to the north. I was in Shropshire. Shropshire, sorry. Tracy's a really active member of the Women's Network, really active. And I'm going to have to move you now on my spreadsheet now you've gone to headquarters, I suppose. But uh, Tracy's going to speak to us today, finally, about competence versus confidence. So over to you. Thank you, Tracy. Okay, um, I'm going to read it because I'm not bringing the same stuff off the cuff and I'll just end up getting wrong. Um, but this is up on the internet on the Women's Network site, uh, Women of West Mercia. So if you want to have a read of it, do. And I'll talk about kind of the source material at the end. But um, basically, the voices in my head quite often are, you aren't going to get that promotion. Um, everyone knows you're a fraud. No one's going to give you that job. Why even bother? Um, and if any of those things sound familiar to you, uh, you're not alone, clearly. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, you don't have to listen to any of those voices and they don't have to hold you back. Um, understanding the way the, that you feel and why you feel it can help you realise that you're actually already a pretty fantastic version of yourself. Um, if you think about it, have you ever had that colleague who held themselves up as the, the organisation's kind of greatest asset? while actually not really delivering on what they were being asked or making everybody else work that bit harder or kind of delegating everything. So they were taking the credit for the work that other people were doing. Um, I know I've met that person um, in numerous organisations I've worked for. Um, and annoyingly, at times, I've stood back while that person's kind of forged a path ahead, gone on, gone for promotion, gone for the lateral development. Um, assuming that because I was capable at my job, people would recognise that. Um, and if I wasn't that confident, maybe they'd go, well, she's okay because she knows what she's doing. She just isn't the best at kind of showing us that sometimes or showing that light from under that bushel. Um, but no, I've sat there and I've let those people who weren't as good as me just go for it, sat back and was that their fault? No. Did the circumstances in the meantime mean that they accelerated ahead of me within the organisation? Yeah, absolutely. But did I learn from it? And yes, I have. Um, I'd like to say that I'm now practically perfect in every single way and I'm a wonderful example of self-confidence. But much as Helen said, um, I might appear to be to people, but inside all those demons are there and they're pecking away at my head saying all those horrible things. Um, but I have come a long way with some minor blips on the road. But what I have learned through that self-reflection over time is that confidence does matter. It really does. And sometimes it matters more than your actual competence. Um, there's 
lots of examples of this, so you don't have to just believe my anecdotes. There are major studies that underline that where a lack of confidence, especially a lack of confidence displayed by women, um, hinders our career development. Um, there's a research psychologist called Zachary Estes, um, and he's been curious about this link between confidence and confidence for a long time. Um, and he gave 500 students a series of tests where they had to kind of rejig 3D images on a computer screen. And he was testing the idea that confidence can be manipulated. And the idea is that in some areas, women have less confidence than men. So what Estes did was he got these students to solve these spatial puzzles. Um, and the women scored really, really low compared to the men. When he reviewed the results, what he found was the women that had done worse had done worse because they hadn't even attempted to solve the puzzle or answer a lot of the questions. So he repeated the experiment and this time he said that they had to try and solve every question, every puzzle. They couldn't skip, they couldn't skip anything, they had to at least attempt it. When he reprocessed all the information after that, the women's scores increased massively, matching the men's. So what that illustrated was that the natural result of low confidence is inaction. And when we don't act, when we hesitate, because we aren't sure, we hold ourselves back. But when we do act, even if it's because we're forced to act, we perform just as well as anybody else. Um, using a different test, Estes kind of moved this on a bit and asked them to answer every question. Both the men and the women got 80% right, which suggested um, identical ability lessons, uh, ability lessons, levels even. Um, so we then tested them again and asked them after each question, how confident are you in your answer? Having to think about whether they felt certain of their answer then changed their ability to do well. The women's scores dipped to 75%, while the men's jumped to 93%. One little nudge, asking women how sure they were, rattled them, completely rattles their world. When you ask a guy the same thing, it reminds him how great he is. So that's just one to kind of bear in mind. Um, where are we? So, final test, Estes decided to attempt a, a complete confidence boost. He told some of the members of the group, completely at random, they'd done really well on the previous test. And on the next test that they took, those men and women, again, improve their scores dramatically. So that's a clear measure that shows confidence can be self-perpetuating. If you think you've done well at one point, you can do well again. Uh, what doomed the women in Estes lab was not their actual ability to do well on the tests. They were just as capable as anybody else. What held them back was the choice they made not to try. So how do we increase confidence? Step outside our comfort zone, step up and try. Uh, there are many varied texts and books and articles and podcasts out there and they'll tell you what to do. I'm no expert at all, um, but I've condensed the best and most effective bits of advice that I've had recently and that have worked for me. Clearly, we are all different and if this doesn't sit well with you, then go out there and find out what's right for you. Or, in the spirit of what I'm saying, try my way and see if it challenges you and stick with the advice and go out of your comfort zone. So, the first thing is you've got to let go of perfect. Um, as Superintendent Love said, with the Hewlett-Packard study, that's still to this day really valid and relevant. Um, but you allow yourself to take more risks once you set more realistic expectations of yourself. Um, you've just got to be confident enough to get out there. You don't have to be 100% perfect. You just need to be able to push yourself into that action. 
secondly, self-kindness. You need to create a system for yourself and reminders of positive thinking. Um, this might not sit well with some people. I was a bit skeptical when I first read it, but it's more effective if you speak to yourself in the third person and treat yourself like somebody else. How often do you do something and then go, oh, well, for me anyway, how often do I do something and go, Tracy, you bloody idiot, that was stupid. You sounded really daft there. Um, I now try and speak to myself in kind of the same tone as my best friend Jade. And if I do something and I immediately go, oh, I think, what would Jade say to me? How would Jade speak to me? And I speak to myself like that. I go, Tracy, yeah, it wasn't your finest moment, but you put this point across and you did this and you recovered it well. So let's move on and do it again differently. Um, thirdly, track your accomplishments. Um, I think Helen mentioned this as well. We don't always recognise that what we've done is an accomplishment. We just think it's the day to day. We just think it's, it's what we do. Um, so it really takes some time for self-reflection, sit there and think about what have I done? What have I achieved today? How did I do that? And how does that make me different to the next person? Um, everything you accomplish at the end of the day is an achievement. So number four is challenge yourself. Um, go beyond your comfort zone. Ask for responsibility for something else. Learn a new skill. It's really scary when you first do it. Um, I've done it in kind of, I ran a marathon and I jumped out of a plane and I'm studying counselling. These are all different things that I did to prove to myself that I could do them to step out of my comfort zone. Once you realise it's achievable, it becomes easy. It's my best advice I can give you. Um, and then the final thing, and I think Superintendent Love referred to this, stop comparing yourself to other people. Um, this is one of my biggest personal problems, as I think I've demonstrated in when I first started talking. Um, and researchers found that there's a direct link between envy and a lack of confidence um, in the individual's face. People who compare remain in constant rivalry struggle. And the more envy they experience, the worse they feel about themselves. Stop thinking about the other people. Focus on yourself. Tracy, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, like I said, I, I, I read that beforehand and it was quite a powerful and emotional thing to read, actually. So um, it is available on the blog if you want to have a read yourself. Or please, can I encourage you, if there is a colleague or a friend um, someone you know that perhaps is struggling a little bit with their confidence and I'm sure you can all think of at least one just send them that article to have a read have a little quiet read and um, Tracy you forgot to mention um, your extra challenge of doing ballet fit in lockdown <laughs> yeah Tracy and yeah. I ballet fit out didn't we some online ballet fit um, but it was a challenge it was something new challenge and we embraced it we praised ourselves afterwards didn't we um, I tell you what I'm going to have put on my headstone and this isn't anything rude I promise but it's going to say fake it till you make it um, and I really learned you know I spoke about my setback and then putting myself forward and the uncover your potential challenge and you know walking into a lecture theatre and presenting and then going on radio four and all the other things I did was I loved it, absolutely loved it, but you're also completely, really, really nervous at the same time. And you've just got to learn to put an act on to a certain degree, put that face on. You know, you put your uniform on sometimes, but then I also put my work face on and my confident face and fake it till you make it. And actually, if you keep pretending that you are confident and you have self-belief and you, you know what you're doing, you convince yourself in the end. Jill um, Christie is part of the people development team in our HR. She's been talking about promotion for a little while now, I believe. She years, yes. 
spoke me through the process when I went for the inspectors. Um, Jill is going to tell us a little bit about the kind of formal process of particularly the inspectors promotion process this year as much as anybody understands it Jill is that right? That's right yes so yeah so just a sort of a bit of a general overview really of um, of the promotion process and then at the end I was just going to spend a bit of time um, just talking about the fast track program which is the sort of uh, accelerated promotion scheme so uh, if you could click on the first one please great yeah so I was just going to briefly just go through the MPPF process I mean some of you obviously have already been through it and will know the steps but for anybody who hasn't sort of started the process there are four steps to promotion um, under this uh, framework so the first one is really just to um, sort of put your hat in the ring really um, uh, so when the um, annual exams come up there's a uh, the first step is a what they call a, a supporting process with your line manager uh, endorsing you to actually start the process so um, steps one and two really are related to around the legal exams and both the sergeant and inspectors those have a five-year validity period so the the um, kind of philosophy behind the process is that once you start you go through that whole four-step process within within five years um, step three is the selection process which is our internal promotion boards oh, that's better um, and then step four is the work-based assessment where you do your 12 months uh, as a temporary sergeant or inspector and you also study for the qualification as well um, so, so the idea is that all four steps are, are done uh, in sequence fairly rapidly with no sort of long gaps obviously if you have maternity leave or anything like that in between that the whole process gets paused but the intention is that you, you go through step the four steps fairly uh, quickly really just moving quickly then onto the application process there is um, this is our own internal process everything else is sort of governed by the college of policing um, so we have three steps to this as well the first step is a promotion evidence record and really once you've decided, I think, that you want to go for promotion, you really ought to start gathering your evidence for this, you know, as soon as, as you can, really, rather, rather than leaving it to the last minute till you know that there's going to be a board, um, is to start um, through, either through the, you know, sort of one-to-one -one process or the PDR, start to think about the sort of evidence that you want to record um, ready for your application for promotion. Then, obviously, when the boards are announced, there's a form that... Um, you would obviously need to complete and most of that actually for you is based around a personal statement um why you know why you want to be promoted and the sorts of things that you've done to prepare yourself and obviously if, if uh, you're supported then by your line managers and your command team then you go forward to the interview um just to mention about the application form the obviously as i said your part is a sort of 350 word personal statement um, and then your line manager does an assessment of your evidence that you've submitted in your per um, your performance attendance and any sort of supporting comments that they want to make as well so i think part of the process with this is really to engage with your line manager early on once you've decided that this is something you want to do um, start having conversation with them they can help you um, with your evidence record of the sorts of things that you need to put in there as well because um, that's not really designed to be a, a massive sort of uh, portfolio it's just it, you know it's an overview I suppose of, of the things and your line manager should know the detail of the evidence that you're putting in there so you don't need to you know um, 
submit volumes of, of uh, evidence for that. So uh, as I said, it's a good idea to start conversation early on. Um, if you're not supported for um, the board, then your line manager, the expectation is that they will meet with you and give you some face-to-face -face feedback um, and also agree a development plan with you so that you're ready for the next um, yeah, a year's time or whenever the next boards are going through. And also there'll be a, a rationale as to why you've not been supported. So all of that information should be shared with you. So you know very clearly what it was that you, what you need to do um, sort of next time around to be able to um, get through to, to a promotion board interview. Uh, so as I said, it's best to start gathering your evidence, you know, as soon as you can and do it on a continual, we'll get into that reflective practice kind of mode where you do something and think, well, actually, that's something I need to keep a record of. Um, so I can, that's it, yeah. uh, as I said, it's not really designed to be a, a massive document. So a couple of examples, not, not every criteria will be relevant to your role, um, but very much sort of focusing on what you've done. Um, and um, sort of your, your personal involvement, not sort of what your team did, etc. There's no validity period in terms of how far back you can go. If you've got a good piece of evidence that's you know two or three years old, that's fine. But obviously, try not to rely too heavily on things that are too long in the in the past. Um, and if you've got evidence somewhere else, so in your PDR or if it's a, a record of commendation or something like that, you don't need to um, sort of repeat all of that. You can just signpost that in the in the um, in the report as well. So um, all of this, there's lots of information on, on, on you at work. So if you if you find the national, the MPPF page, um, there's most of what I'm saying is in there in this guidance documents, um, links to the College of Policing website as well. So probably a good idea to have a good look through that um, page to give you sort of as much background as you can, hopefully. Okay. Thank you. So um, just to go on to um, the, the actual promotion board interview, um, I know it's a very scary thing going for a promotion board interview, but the panel are there to help you uh, try and get the best out of you. So they're, they're wanting to give you an opportunity to demonstrate that you have the potential to perform at the next rank, give you an opportunity to really share your knowledge and skills and abilities. Um, but they want to obviously be sure that you have an understanding of sort of the wider issues that are facing the force. It's not just about your sort of current role as a, a constable or a sergeant, but have you got that bigger view of what's happening, what's coming along, how you as in the next rank will actually deal with some of those issues if you're um, you know, facing some of the sort of big organisational changes that we're going to make. They want to be sure really that you understand what those are and how you would um, be able to sort of uh, contribute to you know delivering our organizational priorities and the vision and the values etc so you need to think about yourself in the next rank really when you go to the board um, and, and have a you know if, if you haven't had acting or temporary promotion experiences you need you know a good idea to speak to people at the, at the higher ranks and get them to, to give you an idea of what their sort of day jobs like if you like the sorts of things that they have to deal with um, so you can start thinking about yourself in that position. Um, and it's going to just talk a little bit about the CVF. It's still relatively new in our force. Um, it's a national uh, set of um, criteria that the college have, have had developed. And it, the idea is that there's a, then a consistent um, 
framework really that all forces are using nationally and all our selection and promotion processes are, are using that now and so it's a very much looking at the behaviors uh, so not necessarily what you do but how you're doing it uh, sort of behaviors that we expect from our uh, leaders um, and it's based on the code of ethics um, and then the values um, they're underpinned by these six competency areas um, each one of those is split into two uh, specific areas and then you'll see if, if you um, read the, the full framework that there's examples of types of behaviors that we're looking for um, and that each of those has three levels and for sergeant inspector you're looking at the level two um, behaviors all that information the full framework and college of police and guidance is all on the internet once you're successful at the board um, you can be we have a select list of, of successful candidates and they are normally posted within 12 months and um, that's the college of policing guidance but if uh, for any reason we um, can't do that you can actually be on that list for up to three years i don't think we've ever had anyone been on that long it's usually about 18 months sometimes two years if you're in a sort of very specialist area but most people do get promoted you know within 12 to 18 months and when we're making promotion decisions we're looking at any specialist skills or training or experience that the people have had um, but also taking into consideration that location so that you know we're not asking people to travel long distances on a um, regular basis any career aspirations that you might have or any personal circumstances and then the interview score is actually more used as a sort of a so if we have a two or three people that could all potentially go for the same job then we at that point we'd look at their interview scores and it would be the highest scoring candidate so and like in the past where it was sort of topped out you know you just sort of got the the, the offers as you as you came down the list we there's a bit more of a holistic view now of people who are most um, most suitable for the vacancies that we have and you are able to decline one promotion opportunity and still stay on the list Okay, so once you are um, posted to a substantive post, you, that's the point at which you start the work-based assessment. And there's two elements of, of this. One is um, the qualification element. So it's either a level four or a level five certificate in police management. Um, and the other element is the sort of performance um, against your uh, temporary rank. Um, so they are separate, but they run in parallel. Um, and the obviously you have to be successful in both of those things to, to get substantively promoted at the end of the 12 months. If you're um, step two qualified, then you obviously you get your temporary promoted for that um, 12 month period. And then if for any reason you're unable to successfully complete it, you revert then to your previous rank. Okay, so as far as the exam this year is concerned, obviously it's all a bit um last minute to say the least with the college we have had some very um detailed um instructions now um obviously it's a new experience for everybody having an online exam okay so um if i just briefly have a um quick uh, explanation of the fast track program thank you so this is um the uh, college of policing sort of accelerated promotion process that that uh, came in a about five or six years ago now I think and the idea of, of the program really is to try and attract and identify talent um, and to offer them a development program that 
is obviously getting them to a position where they should be able to reach senior ranks uh, more quickly. Um, it, it's looking really to bring forward individuals who maybe are, are a little bit different from our, our sort of um, normal uh, rank and file, if you like. So someone, you know, people who've got an opportunity or ability to make a bit more of an impact on management, sort of bringing new ideas and new ways of working, etc. Um, but uh, obviously um, the opportunity for the successful candidates is to get to be an inspector within two years but the intention is that they would then go on to more senior ranks so it's not it's not a quick way of getting to be an inspector it's a the start of a journey if you like to becoming a superintendent or a higher rank within your career as well so west mercia have two places for next year's program um, we are still waiting for the college to tell us what the timescale is going to be like for the um, application process but normally it starts sort of the end of September October time um, and then we have a uh, it's an online application through the college but then it comes back into force and for us to do our selection process to determine how many people we're going to send to the assessment centre which will be next March um, then the successful candidates will start the program in September next year and it starts with a bit of a bang because the first thing you have to do is take the inspector's legal exam not the sergeant's um, and if you're successful at that then the following year you spend on sort of MPPF level um, work-based assessment for a sergeant doing various rotations um, and then the second year is you have your sort of individual professional development plan so that very much reflects your career aspirations if you want to be a detective or if you've got particular areas that you want to develop that very much is or reflects your own uh, career aspirations um, and then following that you get on well the end of the program really is when you get temporary promoted um, and start the work-based assessment um, as an inspector so um, it's open to any substantive PC um, anybody who's uh, still in their probationary period or, can apply providing that they're likely to be finished by uh, the time the program starts next year um, you can apply if you've got if you've passed the uh, sergeant's exam um, it's okay if you're in a temporary uh, position unless you're actually started the MPPF um, and you don't need your line manager support so anybody can put themselves forward I mean there will be a, a point during the process when we'll ask for line management uh, comments if you like on, on your suitability but it's really down to individuals to put themselves forward um, obviously if you've already started on the MPPF or if you've been substantively promoted you can't apply for the um, for the program if you'd like to think about you know whether this is something for you there is um, a college have got a high potential development tool which is a sort of self-assessment um, tool that you can use and that'll help you sort of determine whether you, you've got the potential to reach uh, superintendent rank and be successful it sort of makes you think about some of your development um, needs etc I think um, I think Jill the the fast track I was talking about this with yesterday with somebody that's on the fast track scheme and there will be a lot of women not every woman and of course some men as well whose careers a bit similar to mine will have paused whilst they have their children yeah not necessarily intentionally but just because just getting the kids to nursery on time and getting to work on time and remembering to pick them all up and feed them is kind of the aim of the day 
um, and thinking of promotion is just not something that you can comprehend at that time for everybody. But then when they're kind of that chunk of their life is over, then they're ready to get promoted quite often. And I know I felt this, I felt a little bit left behind. Um, and I felt like I'd missed out on quite a few opportunities. Unmute yourself, Danielle. So Danielle was promoted to the rank of sergeant three years ago. She didn't pass her board on the first time, but she was successful on the second time and she now works in child protection at Telford. She's recently completed her NPPF, which is the, the last part of the promotion process. Um, Danielle's a member of our West Mercia families, which is like our new parent carer network, um, sister network on, on WOW, and also a member of the Telford Working Group in the WOW. Danielle's daughter has just turned two years old. So Danielle, congratulations on completing your MPPF. Uh, offline, I might be asking you how you did it because I really need to pull my finger out and do it. Um, and my boss is online, so she shouldn't be hearing that. Um, how did you find the process, Danielle? Um, it was hard. I won't kind of flower it up for everybody. It, um, it was straightforward in terms of what we needed to do and, and how you needed to do it. The support of the assessors was absolutely fab all the way through. And I ended up with a couple because one of the chaps retired whilst I was on maternity leave. But that transition of going from one assessor to the other was really, really smooth and the communication was great. The difficulty is that it is really quite time consuming. Um, there's a lot involved in it, um, particularly the, um, the knowledge element. I think the work-based element falls out of your day job anyway. But the, the knowledge where you actually have to type quite a bit up, that was what was time consuming. And a lot of that you have to do at home, um, which is expected of the role, I think. Um, so it's, Embark, when you embark on that process is knowing the um the impact on your home life for a short period um because i wasn't i just couldn't do it at work unfortunately but um but it was just time consuming um and even whilst i was on maternity leave again the support there was absolutely fab from hr and from the assessor's side of it really um and it just got paused for that period whilst i was on even more stars in the later stages of pregnancy, it got paused because it was recognised I wouldn't be able to fulfil the full role. Um, so yeah, I wasn't at a disadvantage there at all. And then I picked it up when I came back. And again, there wasn't a lot of pressure on me to get that done um, with the pressures of returning to work, etc. Um, so anybody that's worried about the impact on family life or having children and things, I it's still perfectly doable. Uh, okay, so for those that don't know what NPPF and the portfolio is, so maybe they're a sergeant on the old scheme or, or looking to become a sergeant, can you just briefly explain what we're talking about, please, Danielle? Yeah, there's um, an online portfolio the, called um, OneFile, um, and it's like an intranet setup um, where your portfolio is. So it's electronic rather than... Um, paper-based and you have a number of competencies and areas you need to hit um, for example managing performance um, managing policing operations um, so there'll be an, an element of working based um, evidence where your assessor will come out and just observe you during your day um, and that's where a lot of it falls out of your natural working day anyway um, 
where you have to hit different things, for example, briefing a team, completing PDRs, um, managing an investigation from start to finish through to CPS, um, and the supervisor comments and that kind of thing. And then the other element is the UPK, your knowledge, and that's where you have to write up and answer questions based on those areas um, that you then link back to some academic work and back into what our organisation are doing. So you almost do it quite general and then focus on the organisation and what we do internally. Um, for example, different policies and procedures, linking it all back into what we've already got in place. Um, so the framework is there completely. And I think one of the secrets is to buddy up with somebody who's done it and, um, and get some help off them as well. Will you be my buddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bribery whilst you're on Zoom, you can't say no. Can you? <laughs> How did you find um, balancing doing your one file with your work commitments and home life as well? It's hard with work. I know people that have done it at work and I just didn't have that time, I don't think, being a, being a DS in the reactive office at the time. It was just really, really hard. But it's, um, it's being kind to yourself, I think, and putting yourself first sometimes. If there's a, a crime review that could be done today, but it's got to be done by next week, it's making that balance and, and putting yourself first sometimes and, and making sure you do so that you can get that completed. Um, and at home, it wasn't too bad. Um, I mostly did mine at night once my little one was in bed when she went to bed um but it wasn't too onerous and it was it's been manageable um and you've got quite you've got 12 months to complete it in so it's a long time to do the portfolio in anyway um which is perfectly achievable and I know a lot of colleagues that have done it within a couple of months really fantastic thank you so much um yeah really appreciate it. and congratulations on finishing Ooh. so what I'm going to do is go around the room as it were um, or just look at yourselves and I'm going to ask each of you from the panel just one thing one short simple answer what's the one thing you enjoy about being a manager so I'm going to go around Helen first please looking after the staff okay Tracy seeing people develop um, seeing people start from scratch develop themselves as individuals and move on Danielle? Seeing somebody who's in a really dark place and then come through it the other end through support um, where you've worked with them for a long period of time. I'm going to interject here and I'm going to say something that I don't think anyone else is going to say um, and that is the money because we don't talk about the money do we? Uh, Jess you need to unmute yourself please. Sorry I just had a visitor in the house. Um, just supporting developing helping people that's you know a good thing that I enjoy every day. And finally, Becky? Um, I think it's part of its personal achievement. It's about proving to yourself that you can do it. Um, and despite what our backgrounds are and whatever they may be, um, that's a big one for me to look at me now as to where I was at school um, and read into that what you want. I wasn't probably the best behaved. Um, but the other thing is also about identifying and assisting and nurturing talent to see people that really have great ideas um, are true assets to the organization that just don't know it 
and then seeing them flourish and bring forward um, innovative, revolutionary ideas that are going to take us forward for the future. So, yeah, double-edged. Fantastic. Well, I'm quite excited now. Um, and I think it's made me realise as well how lucky I am to be what I'm doing, what I'm doing. Uh, but also appreciate my achievements as well and you should all appreciate your achievements that you've made to get where you are today so thank you very much <laughs> lovely have a good afternoon everybody bye bye thanks liz